I'm Paul Comfort, and this is Transit Unplugged, where we interview transit CEOs about their careers, their projects, and their vision of the future. On this episode, I traveled to San Antonio, Texas, home of the Alamo, and spoke with Jeffrey Arndt and his staff. Jeffrey is CEO of Via Metropolitan Transit Services, and we spoke at his beautiful downtown facility. We discussed their APTA Innovation Award, how adding high-frequency service is increasing ridership, and we discussed their industry-leading program, where 90% of passengers now board the bus from bus stops with bus shelters. On this episode of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to our show, Transit Unplugged. And today I'm in San Antonio with our special guest, Jeffrey Arndt, who is president and CEO of Via Metropolitan Transit. I'm sitting in his office right in front of a BRT station. Jeff, this is awesome. Thanks for having me in. Thank you. I'm glad to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Great to see you too. I was just telling you, I was around your city today and yesterday. So impressed with what you've done here with transit. We have made a lot of strides in our investment in transit here in San Antonio. As you mentioned, we have across the street what we call Central Plaza. It is the single most transit-rich point in Bear County. Wow. So in addition to the fact that our Primo service, and Primo is what many people might define as BRT light. Mm -hmm. Okay. In addition to the Primo service that goes here, we have a series of other routes, 1.1 million passenger boardings on that plaza each year. Two of the top five stops as far as activity are on that plaza. Wow. It's only been open about three years. We just completed, we had a, a goal to complete the installation of 1,000 new bus shelters in a three-year period, which, so as you know, uh, traveling around the country and in the systems you've been, to put yeah. in 1,000 shelters <laughs> over three years is pretty phenomenal. It is, yeah. So we now are a system where Somewhere between 90 and 95% of boardings happen at sheltered locations. Wow. Which is almost unheard That's gotta of. be like a record sum for, it I've never be. heard of that before. I don't know if anybody's tracking that, yeah. but is if it you are. Is so hot? Is that why you're doing that? It's because we feel the pastures, you know, should be provided the dignity of a place to wait for the bus. That's wonderful. The bus. We are now going back and retrofitting the majority of those shelters with solar lighting. Oh, wow. Uh, which was developed in-house. So. That shelter lighting, you know, provides both security and also many times the community really appreciates it because there's not a lot of street lighting in those areas. So that's an area where we made significant investment. Uh, we're always investing, obviously, in technology because you have to do that. We were the first uh, transit system of any significant size to implement free Wi-Fi on our entire fleet. And that was how many years ago? Three or four that we put three years ago. We have free Wi-Fi on every bus in the system, on every Viatrans vehicle in the system, so the paratransit fleet. And then we have it at many of our high-density locations like the plaza right across the street. So we were the first in the nation to do that. That's great. So tell us about yourself some. Uh, I like to always kick off the show. So, you know, you're, you're the CEO of the transition. Sure. And this is a CEO interview show. Okay. And so uh, people always want to hear about the CEO and how did you, what career path did you get on and how did, it, how did you wind your way here? And okay. you've been here for how long as CEO? I've been CEO for five and a half years formally, okay. and I've been at VIA for seven years. Okay. And how did you get here? So 
It started on a snowy... No, I'm not going to yeah, do that. Yeah. <laughs> tell, me the, tell me the novella version. Yeah. <laughs> so I graduated from the University of Notre Dame with a degree in engineering and went into traffic engineering. So I was a traffic engineer okay. for about three years and ended up in Houston. And they had the need for somebody with a traffic engineering background as they developed out their HOV and park and ride system. So okay. that's how I got into transit right there. When you're in a very young organization, you're not so much pigeonholed into an area. And so I was able, during that first 10 years at Viet, to move from capital planning and capital development into service planning and then into finance and yeah, OMB, all in Houston, yeah, okay. all over Houston. Ultimately, in Houston, I was the COO over the system when Shirley DeLibero was, oh, yeah. was the president and CEO, wonderful lady. Yes. When I we opened the first That's light great. rail system, when we opened that first leg of the light rail system, on January 1st, 2004 at 10 a.m. There you go. So obviously <laughs> that was a date and time printed <laughs> yeah. in your mind. Huh? Well, yeah, January, January 1st is a tough day to have a, an opening of yes, anything, right? Yeah. yeah. So in any case, I worked, for, I worked for 25 years for Houston Metro. When I left Houston Metro, I went to Texas Transportation Institute for about five years. Oh. Uh, and they are the largest university-based transportation research organization. Yeah. Probably in the world, but at least in the United States. And I was a research scientist, and everyone goes, oh, scientist, that sounds so cool. Yeah. What it really meant is I couldn't be a research engineer because I was not, not a PE. Okay. I'd moved away from engineering, and I was no longer a PE. Right. But I had great experience, and the big thing about working for Texas Transportation Institute was that I got exposed to every transit system in the state of Texas, we had like roughly 70 small urban and rural systems and a dozen MTAs. So you grow up in a single system for 25 years. You really know that system, right? But you don't know necessarily how other people might approach things. That was just a really wonderful experience. And I had a couple other short gigs, one with First Transit okay, in yeah. Houston, an organization I have highest regard for. Yeah. They had a, a deputy CEO position here. A recruiter tricked me into uh, applying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was brought on. Uh, Keith Parker was the CEO oh, at the yeah. time. Uh, within, within a matter of eight months or nine months, he left to go to, to Marta. Marta at yeah. the time. And the board then brought me in, or elevated me to the CEO position. And what, what job did you have when you came up? Deputy board? CEO. Deputy CEO. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. So that was nice. You had a, a year or so where you learned the ropes. and Yep. That's perfect, man. Yeah. So during your last seven years, tell us about some of the accomplishments you've had as CEO. What, what, are, what are the new cool things you brought to VIA? Well, not to toot your own horn, but I mean, you know, people want to know that stuff. Well, I want to start yeah. with the fact because I know sometimes CEOs go with this angle that they were just in terrible shape and I came in and yeah. somehow <laughs> raised them from the fires yeah. of hell. No, that's not true. VIA actually had a national reputation of being an extremely well run and cost efficient. I mean, their cost was way down. Nice. It was so good that when I was in Houston and did peer comparisons, VIA was never a peer. Wow. You didn't want them as a peer. Oh, okay, yeah. Because you couldn't compete, yeah, right? I got you. So they were really good at the real, what I call the bread and butter. Yeah. But they also had developed themselves as kind of an internalized organization. And so one of the things we did is really open the organization. And in many respects, we had healthcare that was 100% internally administered. We had workers' comp 100% administered. We had a, a personnel program that pretty much kept non-VIA people from 
from coming into jobs unless you could get hired at the level I was, right? So we really opened the system up. We brought in a lot of expertise that way. I'll just tell you one of the benefits through third-party administration of our health benefits is we shaved our health cost like 20, 25%. In fact, we have we did not have to pass on any kind of increase for health benefits this year to our employees because we were able to cut those expenses so significantly. That's amazing. So those are that's really big. Those yeah. are really, really big things. I think the second thing is we really f- focused in on what makes transit work. So just a little bit of background. Uh, the MTAs in Texas were authorized by the legislature in the 70s. That okay. Or uh, certain co- kinds of communities, sizes, communities, could create MTAs. The first MTA that was voted in in Texas was VIA. Okay. San Antonio voted in first. The legislature allowed you to impose up to a 1% sales tax to support transit. VIA, as the first uh, organization, went in with half a cent. They didn't go in for the full cent. After that, Austin and Dallas and Houston all went in for the full cent. Mm-hmm. So we are at, uh, from a funding perspective, at sort of a disadvantage compared to our peer MTAs. So you're still there at a half cent? Yeah, we're still at a half cent. And okay. unfortunately, while we could go for the other half cent, we don't have room under a sales tax cap to do that. So there would have to be other taxes that have come in since. So funding is a big issue for us. Well, we found a strong champion in uh, City Councilman Ray Saldana, who will term out next year, mm. and we will miss him tremendously. <laughs> and he gave up his car for a month mm. and took transit everywhere. That's how we found out Google Maps is not always up to date <laughs> on what's happening on your street, right? Mm-hmm. He called me and said, the bus hasn't been here and I've been waiting an hour. I said, well, that's not where the bus stops, mm. right? So that's how we kind of became conversant on that topic. In any case, after he rode for a month, he said, you know what I've concluded is, you know, riding on the bus is not a bad deal. The buses are clean, reasonably on time. It's when you have to transfer because you're so infrequent. So if I just miss a bus and it's running every hour, I'm going to be waiting almost an hour. And if I have to factor that into my travel, that makes a big deal. And that's what my constituents, his constituency... There are a lot of people that are in his constituency who ride transit who said, this is why I have to get up at 3 in the morning to make sure I'm at work at 8 in the morning, I, you know, those kinds of things. So he said, well, so how can we improve that? Well, we can improve frequency. How can we do that? Well, we need to find money to help us improve frequency. Now, we're, we have a COA. I, I know the, how those are done. Right. And you can find ways to reallocate resources, which are part of what we're doing as well. But... We were able to work with city council, and it was a long, long period. We were able to work with city council so that under the current mayor, Mayor Ron Nirenberg, and under his leadership, we are receiving a $10 million investment from the city every year now to help us expand frequency of service. Now, again, so that people understand, as an MTA, you don't receive city funding. And in the state of Texas, you don't receive state funding. Part of the catch, if you will, of the authorization to impose a sales tax is the state, that's what the state's doing for you, so don't ask us necessarily for anything else. And we're a separate entity from the city, separate governmental entity. So it's really exciting, and what's happened is uh, we split that into three phases. We'll implement the third phase in January of this year, but let me just tell you about the first, first two phases. So we focused in in two areas. One is on these routes that are an hour that were showing promise, and we cut them to half an hour. 
still not tremendous, but a whole lot better than an hour. 50% or 100% improvement. And then we found roots that were healthy, growing, that were maybe at the 20 minutes, and we pushed them to close to 10. And, you know, I always say 10 is a sweet spot, right? 10 and inside is a sweet spot. So we were able to do that. And you don't need a schedule. Right. And you just stand there and wait for it. Which is what I do with Primo. Uh, When I have a meeting downtown, I I don't look at anything. I just go down there and wait. And there's real-time information that will tell me when the next bus arrives. Awesome. Or I can use my phone and dial in the bus stop number, and it will show me when the next bus arrives. So we have a number of ways to do that back to the technology. So we have implemented on a series of routes those those changes. And when you look at the ridership on those routes, okay, if you look at them prior to the change, they were behaving like average, like the average of all the other routes. It wasn't like these were routes that were an exceptional in some fashion. When we implemented the changes, we saw ridership growth on those routes 15%. 20%. I mean, wow. these are big yeah. increases while the rest of the system, as many systems, continues yes. to see this yes. erosion. Those are big, big increases, which all go to kind of prove up the point, what we always say, that I say if real estate is location, 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 transit is frequency, 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 right? And so that's really where we have a lot of focus. So we, we're implementing that. We have two new Primo routes that will go into operation next year. So we'll have three Primo roads total, one on the west side, one on the south side. Uh, we're building a transit center and a development on the south side that used to be an Air Force base, Brooks, and now it's being developed uh, as a community. And as one of our BRTs will, our Primo routes will focus there. So then the next thing we're looking at is so how do we take the next step up? Well, this, if this is BRT light, if you will, we, we want true BRT or ART, Advanced Rapid Transit System. And so the mayor and the county judge here appointed a group, a citizens group called Connect SA to pull together an integrated transportation plan that includes all the elements, the highways and the HOVs and how they can work with the system, our plans. And they are about to submit a framework for community discussion on that plan tomorrow. Nice. So we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years developing out our ART plan, seven corridors with ART service, okay. and then we've also been part of the technical support to Connect SA. The big push with Connect SA ultimately will be to find the funding to help build what's in that plan. So you're calling this whole thing, the, the name of it is Connect SA? Connect SA, SA right. Yeah, that's, funny. that's what I wanted to call it in Baltimore, is Connect Baltimore. But we ended up doing Baltimore <laughs> Link, yeah. And the, the fundamental fact is that half cent we are providing that half cent right now on the street, pretty much. What's your? Uh, what would you say your annual budget is here? Your operating capital. Budget? Oh, it's the annual. The operating budget is two hundred and forty, roughly. Okay. Two hundred forty million. And then you've got a the capital. capital budget varies tremendously right. by year. Like we what bought, you're doing, right? we bought two hundred seventy. We have a fleet of four hundred fifty-four. We bought two hundred seventy buses like two years ago. Okay. A part of the reason. And I know that's not necessarily what I would want to do. You'd yeah. rather space it a bit, right. right? But the fleet was getting so old that we had to, you know, we had to step in and say these buses definitely need to be replaced. We explored, the board explored uh, CNG uh, diesel, but I think nobody was excited about diesel. So CNG and electric. Okay. And at the time we were doing all this exploration, which was maybe 2013, electric was not where it is today. Mm-hmm. And so. 
The board was not comfortable at that point in taking 270 out of 454 buses and putting it in that technology yet. So we went CNG. And, like Fort Worth has done. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think over 300 of the buses that we have in the system now, well, probably well over 300, are CNG. In order to manage that, we have a single garage that you visited, yes, right? Yes, yeah, okay. today, yeah. Uh, we, ha- we have 600 vehicles at that garage, and you know that that's probably double what most garages that's have a lot. <laughs> handle, right? Um, and because we have all those vehicles at one location and we, have to, we want to fuel them, we had to build the largest CNG fueling station in North America at really? that facility. So if you didn't see it, you need to go back. Yeah. It's a record breaker. Wow. Is there any plans to do another garage somewhere? Oh, yes. We have uh, or whatever, yeah. what we're going to do is... We're going to build a facility that will be completely ADA paratransit, which we call Viatrans, completely yeah. Viatrans oriented. Oh, so nice. right now you have Viatrans people that are at tra- TransGuide, which is like a traffic management center. You have Viatrans people that are administratively, they're at uh, Myrtle Street. And then, of course, the, the vehicles are all there. And we're going to bring all the people together and all the vehicles together in a single location. So, Including the contractor or... No, the contractor will continue to have stay out, yeah. their facility. You'll put all your people together. We'll have all our people. But uh, our people do all the, you know, the uh, certification, right. do all the dispatching. You know, so it's a it's a large portion yes. of... the operations. Yeah, of the operations. Command center. Command center. Yeah. That's, that's a good yeah. term for it. That's good. So, yeah, we have that. We bought a piece of property for that. We received bus and bus facility grant, $6 million, to apply toward that facility earlier this year. Okay. You've kind of told me a little bit about it, but maybe a little bit more on the on the scope of your service itself, the kind of the, the land mass you serve, how many vehicles, how many employees, those kind of things. Just sure. kind of the, by the numbers. Let's, let's talk via by the numbers. <laughs> we should have the by, we have a by the numbers slide. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, 400, yeah. you know, 454 buses, okay. we have about 150 vans that we operate. Okay. The contractor operates 55% of the service, roughly, and okay. we operate 45%. And you, do you do a lot? Uh, they were telling me today that you do a lot. The contractor does a lot of the demand responsive, whereas you do a lot of the subscription service yourself. You're, you're that's how, yeah, yes. how it gets divided yeah. up. Oh, that's great. 36.6 million passenger trips annually. Wow, that's good. We have 96 routes. Probably what, what's of most interest, we cover 1,213 square mile service area. Which is a pretty big service area. And it's not very much smaller than Houston Metro service area. Really? Yes. And it's more than double the size of what DART covers and what Capital Metro covers. More than double. Is it just because your county is that big? Yes. Yeah, we serve all of Bear County, save a few suburban cities that are no longer members. Okay. So we have 14 cities altogether, San Antonio obviously being the largest. Yes. And then 13 other communities that, that that form up our service area. Okay. So you can see, you know, if you have fairly thin funding yes. and you have a very large area, then you know what that translates into, yeah. right? The peanut butter gets spread pretty thin. That's where the infrequent service just naturally uh, generated. Okay. So we have 7,200 bus stops. We have... 7,200? Yes. And you just added 1,000, did you say? No, those are shelters. Those are they shelters. Go, yes. Oh, you said 90% yeah. of them, though, yeah. are sheltered yeah. now? Yeah. No, 90% of the boardings happen Board. at a okay. sheltered location. Right. So, you know, there's going to be in that 7,200, 7, there are going to be some that have one or two people. Right. right. So that is amazing. I mean, that is... So we're getting close to 2,500 shelters. That's okay. pretty yeah. significant. That is big, yeah. Yeah. In Baltimore, I had 6,000 bus stops, and mm-hmm. I reduced it by 1,000. 
in order to improve the efficiency of the route. So they weren't yes. stopping. And that's part know. of our COA. Okay. The very same thing. I got you. Yeah. 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 yeah that's smart. Yeah. Wow. And so, like, employees, how many employees do you have? Do you know? Oh, 20 to 2,200, roughly, okay. employees, yeah. mostly uh, like all systems operators and right. mechanics. I think so we have it's about a major f- employer in the area. We have about 400 people who are in some form of administration, whether it's procurement, HR, customer service. Oh, yes, marketing PR, and communication. Yeah. <laughs> yes, those people yeah. too. And your Planning. building here is cool. This used to be like a ra- roundhouse for a railroad. That's what it looks like. Yes, so yeah. this this building was built in 1907 okay. for $135,000. Nice. <laughs> which is less than what it cost to air condition, I'm sure. Yeah. It was a train depot. There's a, a track right okay. behind us that had passenger rail. And it served uh, pastors until sometime in the 70s. So there are a lot of interesting stories, which I wish we could capture, because some of these people won't be able to tell yeah. these stories much longer. Like little video clips with them or something. Of people yeah. that ha- came here to see their son or yeah. husband off to war. And, right. And great stories about this. So in the 70s, they shut down the rail operation. And actually, the building kind of went vacant. Okay. And was vandalized, uh, the, you know, you probably saw we have stained glass windows, right? Yes. There was vandal, vandalizing of those. Uh, the cities. By the way, I've never seen a transit authority oh, with stained, stained glass, glass windows. windows. <laughs> it's another first for you, Jeff. <laughs> Beautiful, man. So the city's savings, uh, the city's uh, credit union okay. actually moved in here, I guess probably in the 90s based upon what, and I have to give them a lot of credit. They collected the shards of glass from the stained glass windows wow. and they had obviously color photographs of the windows and they went to you know a stained glass artist happened to work for the company that put them in okay yeah, which is course. kind yeah. of ironic yeah. so they restored these windows and I, they're probably Beautiful. as close to you know a, a great restoration as you yeah. could possibly have so when we bought the facility they moved out the major things we did with the facility we did there were some structural things that had to be done because we were going to live here long term, yeah, right? right? So right. we made some structural improvements, and you can see, you know, aesthetically, we've made some improvements. Yeah, it's beautiful, there. it's like but a cathedral. It's a great, awesome. it's a great yeah, location. Yeah. Um, and you know what? In my mind, public transit is probably one of the most important governmental services that's around, right? Yes. Mobility, I should say, it's about Houston after the hurricanes, right? You oh know, yeah. You know, mobility equals life. Yeah. It really does yeah. for millions of riders every year, and so. I don't see anything wrong with having a nice facility for them to operate. This is very nice for you to have there. You mentioned the stained glass windows. I mentioned them too. When I first moved into this facility, moved from Myrtle Street over here, I took a picture, you know, of the staircase and the big stained glass window. Put it on Facebook and all these people said, oh, did you quit VIA? You're working at a church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm still at VIA, but transit is a religion. There you go. And That's so there great, you go. <laughs> Speaking of that, if, if people listen to the show, if you ever get a chance to come to San Antonio, you've got to go to that church downtown with that laser light show. Mm. I didn't get to see it this time, but last time. It's one of the it's great. most phenomenal yeah. things I've ever seen in my life anywhere. It's Main Street amazing. Square. Yeah, Main Street Square, yep. yeah. So you were talking about all the cities around the area, mm-hmm. and that made me think about your board. Do they appoint people mm-hmm. to the board, or how are you governed? Sure. So our board is appointed five members by the city council and mayor okay, of, of San, San Antonio. Antonio. Okay, yeah. uh, three by Bear County Commissioner's Court and the county judge. Okay. And then two are appointed by a, a, a group of suburban mayors. That So we have that mix. There are 10 board members. Those 10 board members then elect a chairperson. Okay. What's unusual, perhaps, is that chairperson does not have to be one of them. 
Oh. They can go outside and bring somebody from the outside in, and they become uh, the chairman of the board, chair okay. person of the board, and and serve as a board member. If one of them is selected, if they elect one of their own, then that person essentially vacates the appointed position they had, becomes the chair, and the and the entity that appointed them would fill the vacancy. So you'd have eleven votes. So we have yeah. eleven yeah. board members. That's total. great. Yeah. And. Um, one of the things that you've been noted for in the last year or two are some of the awards you've won for technological advancements, et cetera, mm-hmm. at NAPTA. Mm-hmm. Uh, caught my eye that you all uh, won some awards. Can you tell us about what, what you've been doing there? Well, the APTA award was to recognize the work we did on Codathon. And so Codathon was the brainchild, frankly, of the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber's leadership program. As many leadership programs, they get into groups and they're supposed to have projects. And so somebody came up with this idea of a, of a codathon, and they were looking for a public agency that would be willing to partner with them. And VIA is very active with the Hispanic Chamber and with the leadership program. So we said, yeah, we'll do that. And we've had two of them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing, so what happens is folks team up and create these teams and come in and compete. And there's a judging panel. There's no VIA involvement in the judging panel. It's external okay. IT folks. Yes. And they will judge the various uh, entries, if you will, and decide which ones are the best. And there's monetary awards for the, the top uh, award winners. What's interesting is that last year's top award winners actually has an app that's a if it's not on there now, it's about to premiere. It just has to do with if you're in a location and you want to grab a quick bite to eat, you hit that, and it brings up the, your choices and how, what transit routes you would take to get there. That's awesome. So a very cool program and one that could be easily repeated. That's one of the things I think that I like about the, the, um, the awards that, yeah. that APTA gives is a, a lot of a lot of the programs in the safety side as well, and right. the marketing side. We as an industry, we can borrow from each other very easily without any any problem. Yeah, that's um, great. And so it's, I think that's one that could be easily added. So we won an award through Smart Cities this past year for our Go Mobile app as one of 50 transformational in, uh, projects across the nation. I don't know if they did one per state, but there were 50 and we were one of them. I think you just went a Texas Transit. Texas Transit, uh, Texas Transit Association ha- named us the uh, outstanding MTA in the state of Texas. That's great. And they named it, and they gave us the Innovation Award. Right, yeah. So, well, I'll be speaking at the conference coming up when they're joining with SWAT. Oh, in El Paso. And, yeah, yeah. I saw you did a little video for them. That was yes, cool. yeah, I'm yeah. the chair of SWAT. This oh, year. are you? Yes. Oh, okay, that's yes. great. Yeah. Well, very good. So what do you see as next for your agency? I mean, you've, you've talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but give us a little fuller scope of what you see coming next. Okay, so clearly we're going to implement these additional BRT right. light, the Primo right. lines. The other thing we're doing, and it all goes to this mobility as a service. And so we're experimenting with what we call mobility on demand, but I hope we come up with a catchier phrase. Yeah. I have Mod. to a call out <laughs> to uh, Stockton. They call theirs Van Gogh. And I thought that was brilliant. And so, Donna, good job. Yes. So in any case, we identified an area where we had like three bus routes that served like once an hour into an area that's very suburban development. And I always tell people, as far back as I've been in this industry, we've always talked about the challenges of serving the suburbs, right? And for most of that time, we talk about it, and then we just put fixed route bus system out there right, like, yeah. as though, yeah, okay, it's the only tool we have in our toolbox, so right. I guess that's what we'll use. Right. So what we're talking about is removing those routes 
and creating a zone where you would have mobility on demand. You can call a vehicle and we're uh, proposing, and our board, it'll go to our board in January. We're proposing that you could travel anywhere within the system for the price of a, a local fare, or we would have a connection point where you get into the remainder of the system. Awesome. And so it'd be treated just like a via service that yeah. way. We have a proposal. I believe that a cab company actually would be delivering the service because that they happen to be on the the team that kind of emerged, but um, you know, obviously it could be Uber or the Lyft. Yeah, or yeah. We had a partnership with Uber during our Fiesta. You know, Fiesta in San Antonio is like a two week long celebration. I mean, major celebration. I gotta come you back know, for that, man. You do, you do. <laughs> yeah. And we had a partnership where they provided connections to our park and ride service that brought people into service. Yeah. It's always bothered me. I had the same thing in Houston around the rodeo when people would use our services and they would leave the facility, you know, the party, if you will, and I knew they'd be on our bus for maybe 20 minutes and then they'd be in their car and sometimes really shouldn't probably have yes, been getting be in, in their, their car, car right? right yeah. So the whole idea was let's find a way to, great, Jeff. Yeah. to um, keep them from having to get in the car. We're in a partnership with Lyft. Right. This deal about 500 people give up their cars yes. and they get a certain uh, uh, account with Lyft, right. and they get a monthly pass from Via. That's great. And so, yeah. So, what else? Anything else big coming up? The uh, Connect SA effort. Oh yeah, yeah. that'll be big. Yeah. Really big. Yeah, that's, really big. I mean, that's the that's the new greatest thing. So, is your overall uh, transit system ridership? Is it following all the other trends yeah, of other cities? It, yes, it, it is. Been going down. But it has been. On these routes where you're getting more frequency, that's right. where you're seeing it happen. Totally. Okay. Totally. And actually, to credit the marketing people, because it's sometimes hard to isolate those things. Yes. You know, they've done target marketing on some other services like the Viva service that we, okay. the Viva services center at the Alamo today and they will take you, I always call it the mother-in-law route, take your mom, your mother-in-law to the Alamo and right. give her, give her money to buy a day pass and she can go all through Absolutely. downtown, up to the Pearl, down yeah. to Southtown, to the museums. And so there are really niche type routes right. easily identified and, the marketing people have done some really targeted marketing and had very substantial responses with the Do you run those trolley-type buses down there? Is that you? That's one of them. Yeah, I thought yes. so. Yeah, yes. a guy, One of your guides downtown when I was there yesterday mm-hmm. suggested I take that right in front of the Alamo. You can get on this trolley, and that's really great. You've yeah. got a, quite an extensive not only bus network, but all the things you're doing to really serve your area. I mean, that's wonderful. It's no yeah. wonder you're the Texas Transit Association System of the Year. That's No great, wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking time with us today. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. I think the people across North America could learn a lot from how you're doing things right here in San Antonio. They should come to San Antonio. So it's a great city. Oh, it is. It's amazing. Um, the Riverwalk, I, the Alamo. And I, I don't ever say it's a great city to visit because it's a great city yeah. to live in, by, frankly. And That's wonderful. I just love this place and yeah. so happy that VIA can contribute to the economic well-being and people getting to jobs and the doctor and making all those essential connections in their lives. That's what it's all about, yep. isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Thanks so much for telling us about it today. Absolutely. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.